coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. And a happy hump day to you. This is a gorgeous day today. Mid-80s, maybe around 87. Definitely the hottest day of the calendar year so far. Although you know we're going to eclipse that. Uh, let's see what else is going on. You know, I've, I've actually been busy. I had a, a closing earlier today. Uh, got a, another home under contract. Look at me being all real estate-ish and whatnot. Uh, every once in a while, I actually take that full-time job of mine pretty seriously. Actually, I do all the time. But uh, the uh, the job does afford me the uh, opportunity to join you here five days a week. And I really, really appreciate that part of the job. Because I enjoy... Coming to you every day here on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, and uh, any of the podcast platforms you might be listening to The Ron Show on, so that we can uh, talk about Georgia and regional and domestic and sometimes international politics uh, from a more left-of-center point of view. You don't get a lot of that in talk radio. Um, it's becoming increasingly harder to find it even on uh, cable television, what with a CNN kind of lurching to the center right a little bit. And farce news being farce news, it, it just kind of blows my mind. Like, everyone knows, everyone knows that their business model is to spoon-feed deceptive information, if not outright lies, to their audience for fear of upsetting the audience and losing them. That's not news. That's placating. Uh, in any event, uh, I enjoy coming to you uh, here five days a week, most weeks, five days a week. <laughs> anyway, I'm looking at tomorrow. My calendar is like super busy and I'm like, how am I going to pull that off? We'll figure it out. Uh, so uh, I know everybody's been focusing on uh, some macro stories, the bigger picture, the the, the Trump indictments, and everyone uh, from the left, center, and right hand-wringing about uh, what this means to the country. Is the case strong enough? M- my theory is, this is a financial fraud crime, and New York is the financial heart of the nation, if not the entire free world. Uh, I happen to think that uh, if you're going to have a grand jury send charges uh, to trial, the case has got to be pretty solid. And those on the right who are hand-wringing about its authenticity or uh, concerned about the political expediency of Alvin Bragg, the district attorney, like what his motives are. Hey, no big deal. It's going to go before a jury. You trust a jury of your peers, right? Right. I guess we'll see. There is the concern on the right that Donald Trump won't get a fair trial in New York. Well, who doesn't know who Donald Trump is at this point? Where, where do you think he gets a trial where his situation's not known. Everybody knows he paid off Stormy Daniels. What's not known is the how he went about trying to not make it such a public spectacle. And bear in mind that all of the stuff that he's being charged with, <laughs> Michael Cohen's been charged with it too. And there's the duplicity of, well, you can't believe what Michael Cohen says. He's a felon. Yes, who's done time for the very same things that Donald Trump is on trial for. Nonetheless, we've talked a lot about that. I feel like we could maybe later, but eh, kind of want to move on to some other things. 
Uh, this story caught my eye uh, a few days ago, and I actually hadn't had a chance to get to it yet. But I think this is, um, well, this is concerning. We have uh, in nearby Cherokee County, a school board vice chairman has been accused of verbally abusing a trans wrestler. The AJC reported this a few days ago. Uh, I'll hold on to this link and share it in the show notes. A former professionally wrestling, uh, professional wrestling champion, Rick Steiner, a.k.a. Robert Reich Steiner, uh, who is now the vice chairman of the Cherokee County Board of Education, has been accused of verbally harassing a transgender woman in the industry at a Los Angeles fan event over the weekend. Again, his real name is Robert Rick Steiner. He goes by Rick Steiner, using the last name there. Uh, that was a name he adopted during his professional wrestling days from the uh, the 80s to 2001. Anyway, he was banned last weekend from WrestleCon after he allegedly hurled transphobic comments at trans wrestler Giselle Shaw. Now, that's according to media reports. Uh, Shaw said that as she was walking toward a table to sign autographs for fans, Steiner allegedly launched into a verbal tirade against her, challenging her gender and calling her a piece of trash and filth. Shaw posted this statement. I believe this is from Instagram and to her Twitter account. She said, I have been bullied all of my life and have never stood up for myself because I'm scared that I would get beat up physically, mentally, or emotionally. The bullies in my life have always silenced me, but that ends today. I was at an autograph signing event today, this was Saturday, at WrestleCon, and while I was walking to my table, I heard someone yelling, you're a man, you're a dude, you're a piece of trash, you are filth, and then, get the f*** away from here. I kept my head down and kept walking as I did not want to acknowledge that hate. When I arrived at my table, I spoke to another Impact Wrestling talent who was at the signing with me and mentioned the incident. It didn't set well with me, and I wanted to know who was saying that because it's unacceptable. So I decided to take a walk in that area, and I hear that same person saying the same derogatory comments. I looked at the person, and it was Rick Steiner saying those statements. I was shocked and could not believe that this was even happening. To have someone saying those comments, who a lot of people look up to and consider their hero, was quite shocking and disheartening. I was in disbelief, so I asked him, excuse me? He kept repeating those hateful phrases and started yelling at me in a public setting. It was inexcusable and unacceptable. Another disappointing part about this whole incident was that there were other wrestling legends who just sat there, turned their heads away, did not want to get involved or stand up for what's right because it involved, quote, one of the boys. Judging from that experience, it was more important for them to watch something wrong go down as opposed to standing up for someone who's being bullied and doing what's right. I'm not writing this because I want sympathy. I'm writing this because I am done being bullied to silence. Today is International Transgender Day of Visibility. It was over the weekend. And I am standing up for myself and for other people who go through the exact same situation on a daily basis. I want everyone to know what kind of a deplorable person Rick Steiner is and that this cannot be tolerated. This keeps happening because people let it slide and do not take any action. If you do business with these type of people, then I will not do business with you. This story, by the way, is starting to get legs. It's it's going nationwide. 
uh, a little bit more today than it was uh, on Monday. Uh, Steiner has been on the Cherokee School Board since 2006. Uh, the AJC reached out for comments. They were unsuccessful getting him on the phone. And the, uh, the school district is actually out this week uh, on spring break. So there's been uh, no conversation about any sort of repercussions for his actions over the weekend. Uh, WrestleCon is like one of those uh, fan experience that lets people take pictures with and get autographs with uh, wrestling stars from now to the past. Uh, in a tweet, according to the AJC's officials behind the event, apologized for Shaw's treatment without detailing what happened or tying the incident to uh, Robert Rick Steiner or Rick Steiner. In a tweet, they wrote, WrestleCon regrets the events that took place at yesterday's convention and apologizes to Giselle Shaw. We aim to promote a safe and inclusive environment for all LGBTQAI plus members of the wrestling community. The issue has been addressed and we hope the remainder of the convention can be a positive experience for all. Impact Wrestling released a statement as well. That's the uh, group that Kim Shaw represented. We're saddened by the incident Friday afternoon at WrestleCon in Los Angeles and hope everyone can learn and be better from it. Thank you to the millions worldwide who have read Giselle's statement and showed full support for her. Particular thanks go out to the organizing staff of WrestleCon as well as the Impact roster and crew who all handled an ugly situation with the utmost professionalism. Industry site eWrestlingNews.com is reporting that Rick Steiner is refusing to apologize. But also mentions that Giselle Shaw had two witnesses corroborate her story. Referee Daniel Spencer from Impact Wrestling and uh, on-air personality for Impact Wrestling, GM Miller, both of whom have supported Shaw's allegations and came to her defense. Again, WrestleCon let Steiner know on Saturday that he would not be allowed to enter or partake in the remaining WrestleCon events as a result of his statements. And I'll go back and point this out. Cherokee County School Board has said nothing about this, but then again, that's not unusual. Cherokee County Schools are out this week on spring break. Be looking as you know I will, to see what sort of statements or actions are taken Monday when the school board gets back to work and Cherokee County schools are open again. Now, I don't know if there are any trans students in the Cherokee County school system. Teachers, faculty, support staff have no idea if there's anyone who works for the school system or attends a Cherokee County school who is, in fact, trans. And honestly, that's irrelevant. It is. It's irrelevant. As a school system, you cannot sit idly by while someone sits on your school board who represents your entire school system, who is literally second in command. He's the vice chairman of the school board. I mean, he's not like a superintendent or anything, but he's on your school. He is the vice chairman of the school. You have to imagine the school system will call for his resignation. You cannot have someone represent your county, your school system, your school board who says things like that in such a derogatory fashion. Bullying cannot be tolerated. It's it's one thing to have views that are more conservative when it comes to things like gender affirming care, when it comes to which bad I mean 
you can have these ideological differences. That's all fine and well. We're talking about public behavior. You cannot, Cherokee County Schools, you cannot let this man sit on your school board another minute longer. He cannot represent Cherokee County and Cherokee County Schools after such an ugly display of bullying. What do you tell kids in school about bullying if you have someone who represents your school system who is himself a thick-skulled jackass of a bully? Robert Recksteiner, a.k.a. Rick Steiner, gots to go. Sorry, this, this is not up for debate. We're not going to relent on this. Going to stay all on this. This story, as it continues to develop, when school gets back into session in Cherokee County, we will await some sort of statement from the school board or the school system about this. Stand by. We're back after this on The Ron Show. Welcome back to The Ron Show for Wednesday. Braves got the win today, 5-2. Day they are, what is it, 5-1 and one to start the season, and those were all road games. Home tomorrow for the home opener against the San Diego Padres. Now, when I was a kid, I loved the San Diego Padres uniforms and color scheme because they were doing that brown and orange and yellow with the, you know, the swinging friar. I love that. Absolutely. And they brought a lot of that back. They went back to the color scheme in the last couple of years. I can appreciate that. It's just one of those unique color schemes that you don't see other teams utilize. There's a lot of red and blue, blue and red. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of blue and white, red and white, red and blue, navy and blue. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of that. But brown and orange and yellow, that's unique. Anyway, I can like the color scheme and still dislike the team. Don't worry. I'm, I'm pulling for the Braves. Speaking of playing ball, Bill White no longer wants to play ball with the city of Atlanta or in the creation of the Buckhead City movement. He is picking up and moving. He and his... Get this, I had no idea. I feel like Kathy Griffin doing stand-up, y'all. Bill White and his husband. That's right. Bill White and his husband, Brian Ure. And no, I don't I don't know either of them. <laughs> anyway, uh, are planning to sell their home in the uh, Paces community, according to the AJC on the western edge of Buckhead. And they're moving to their newly renovated house on Lake Burton in North Georgia. Nice. Um, says here that they eventually plan to settle in a place like Florida that has no state income tax. Definitely conservatives. There's no point in being here, White said, noting that uh, Brian Kemp will be in office until the end of 2026. We have to leave for our own well-being and fiscal sanity. Hmm. He did say that the Buckhead City movement's not going to go away, that there are people who are going to stay here and keep up the good fight, and mm, I don't know. Now, White said that he and his husband are actually following the lead of other Buckhead City supporters, some who he claims are former Governor Kent backers, who are all leaving Buckhead in response to... Uh, they're being rebuffed in the most recent General Assembly session and the governor refusing to sign on to this and the elevated crime rates that aren't elevated, according to Atlanta police data, and what they view as the, quote, blasé response from elected leaders. Well, I mean, you could knock me over with a feather. I had 
no idea. I didn't. I had no idea. Uh, throughout following this story, I had no idea. And I'm sure this is like some old news to some folks who might be listening. Oh, Ron, that's old tea. I didn't, you didn't know. Girl, you didn't know. I didn't know. I had no idea. And let me let you inside, uh, you know, the LGBTQ camp for just a little bit. Um, we eventually all run into each other. It's crazy. Like, you think, like, you, you could be, like, swiping left or right on Tinder and uh, thinking, you know, if somebody if somebody's kind of rude to you or whatever, they think, oh, you know, there'll never be any repercussions for this. I'll never see that person. And then you see that person. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm not rude to anybody. I'm just saying, like, there are those who could be kind of rude to me and I'd be like, well, that was kind of rude. And then you remember it and you see that person, you're like, why were you a jackass on whatever, Hinge or Bumble or... But I, to my knowledge, have never run into Bill White. And I don't know who Brian Urey is other than Bill White's husband. Didn't know that. Oh, y'all, the log cabin gaze. I, mm, log cabin gaze. I just can't. I, <laughs> and I'm sure I've been off on that tangent before. I, I just can't. And it's not that people can't be fiscal conservatives or want limited government. No, that's not it. I've said this all the time about libertarianism in general. It's a luxury to think that. That you don't need uh, multiple layers of government to look out for your best interest. That is a privilege to think that. And we'd all like to get there at some point in time. But when you are gay yourself, and you, I mean, we've seen the, I mean, we just talked last segment about a school board vice chairman in, in, in Cherokee County with this anti-trans rhetoric. We just saw SB 140 get rammed through the General Assembly session. Facts, math, medical data be damned. It's what they wanted to do. And the LGBTQ log cabin folks are okay with the Republican Party because they want lower taxes and they want less government in their lives. Well, I do too. I'd love to have a lot less government and I'd love to pay low taxes. I would love to pay lower taxes. If we could just, you know fix some of the shit that we've been putting off for four and five decades and stop pretending that disparities don't exist to do to, you know, varying things like uh, gender and uh, born economic status and racial class, et cetera, and so on. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry that it's, to me, it's, it, it's even more irksome when it, it's a log cabin gay. And it's because it's, it's like, y'all should know better. Y'all should have some insight into being marginalized that would make you rebuff the conservative movement because they act like there is no such marginalization going on, and yet they're the ones with their hands all over the marginalization cannons. They're the ones firing the salvo. Ugh, log cabin gaze. Good riddance. What is the saying? Girl, bye. Now, White says he raised more than $2 million over the years in this whole movement, did they buy $2 million worth of yard signs and green felt caps? That's a lot of money. Uh, He says he took no salary. Their tax documents show that no members of the group board were paid. Oh, here we go. $342,000 on lobbying. More than $100,000 on advertising. Those are the yard signs. Uh, $15,000 a month per month to $15,000 a month to rent 
a storefront near one of those Carvana towers. I'm a little more than curious to know who owns that piece of property that the Buckhead City Movement had been leasing out for, quote-unquote, office space. Did you really need an office space for the Buckhead City Movement? Hmm. I will share this piece as well so you can determine for yourself when you read on whether or not the Buckhead City Movement is dead because Bill White and his husband are moving to the mountains, or if there's still some life in this. There's talk of suing the governor's office, constitutionality, and then there's talk about challenging the way Buckhead was originally annexed back in the 1950s. Oh, boy. Why am I surprised he's gay? I mean, I, for one, I guess I should have known. Uh, for another, like the, the logo and the hats, uh, the, the yard, so tacky. <laughs> no, really. They were kind of tacky. They weren't very tasteful at all. Very much... Boomer age, heterosexually white male design. Sorry, that's just how I feel. Broadcasting five days a week to make common sense common again. This is The Ron Show on America One Radio. I mean, you didn't think I wasn't going to talk about that guy at all today, did you? Of course. Because he invoked Fonnie Willis from Fulton County right here in Atlanta, Georgia. So we have to talk about him. Also, by the way, didn't know this, but apparently... Melania was nowhere. In fact, she lives on site in Mar-a-Lago where he was giving his, what the hell would you call that? Uh, Just another, uh, we can't even be like marveled by the uh, inane nature of his bloviating and off-putting insanity when he speaks anymore. It's just, it was just another Trump speech. It was another Trump stump speech and proclamations of innocence and... (laughs) Uh, Carrie Lake was there. Uh, was was Jared Kushner? I don't know if Jared was there, but the two sons, Donald and Eric Jr., were there. Uh, you know, the, the usual cast of characters were there on hand for the speech, but Melania was not. In fact, I believe she RSVP'd with an F-bomb. She's obviously not happy about any of this, the whole Stormy Daniels thing and... In, you know, finding all that out, she's just not been happy about this from the jump. And you, you could sort of tell, like, she never really wanted to hold his hand in public. I mean, you know, we ha ha about that. But, I mean, there's some legitimacy to that, too. Ooh, ooh, ooh. By the way, anybody seen this week's Ted Lasso? There's the, the, you'll understand when you see this week's Ted Lasso. There's a little bit of correlation to that storyline, uh, you know, of uh, infidelity, nonetheless. Uh Donald Trump went after Fonnie Willis in his speech, and so we have to talk about it. Here we go. And in the wings, they've got a local racist Democrat district attorney in Atlanta. This fake case was brought only to interfere with the upcoming 2024 election, and it should be dropped immediately. Immediately. Uh, You want to know what was politically motivated this conversation? I just want to find uh, 11,000... 780 votes. Yeah, that call to Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, that perfect, beautiful call. The man made nothing but perfect, beautiful calls. Absolutely perfect phone call. Even more perfect than the one I made with the president of Ukraine. Remember, I kept saying that's a perfect call. This one was more perfect. Yesterday, we were talking with Craig Harrington from Media Matters for America, and, and he, had, he and I both kept talking about off-ramps, uh, the many off-ramps that the GOP has had to get off the Trump highway. 
and they just keep refusing to get off, despite the fact that they need to get off. Not just as a party, but we as a country. But then again, at the same time, there are those on the left that think, oh no, let him be the nominee. And and and, and Craig talked to us yesterday a little bit about that too. Now that the, the, the Fox News narrative is, uh, that there is uh, the inner workings within the Democratic Party to ensure that Donald Trump becomes the nominee. That's the whole reason that Alvin Bragg has brought these charges on, by the way. Not to ruin Donald Trump, but to elevate him because they know that he'll get this martyrdom bump, right? Seriously, that is a working theory inside the halls at Fox News Channel. And how many of you have Republican friends or family members who tell you that, yeah, they're they're kind of embarrassed about the way he talks and the dumb things he says and tweets or truth socials, but it's the policies that matter the most. <laughs> it's just... Ugh. Another off ramp, man. I mean, you've you've got you've got a Ron DeSantis who, by the way, is shrinking in the polls. You've got other subordinates from the Trump administration, Nikki Haley, Mike Pompeo, all running to be president, all running to win the party's nomination, and yet Donald Trump's numbers keep on keeping on within the GOP. I actually awoke this morning to text messages uh, from a conservative. Uh, in the industry, who uh, how did he characterize uh, you know my views on uh, this Alvin Bragg case and Trump's uh, oh that I've been refreshingly honest, calling this the weakest case. Now, when I say that the Alvin Bragg uh, case is potentially the weakest case, I'm not saying that it's not strong. I'm saying that of all <laughs> the potential indictments coming against Donald Trump, this is the one that to me is the least damning. January 6th is pretty damning. The most damning, if you ask me. People lost their lives. The Fonnie Willis case, that's pretty damning. You were trying to tinker with election results. You were literally trying to f*** with our democracy. Sorry, not sorry. This is just, when I say it's the weakest case, it's the least consequential case. I'm not saying it's the weakest. I've I don't have the evidence. I'm not on the jury. I've not been impaneled. I'm not in the district attorney's office. I haven't seen the evidence. I don't know that it's the weakest case. I just think it's the least consequential, just to clarify. Now, this guy who texted me this morning says, 100% politically motivated. Bad case. Well, how the hell would you know? He listens all the time, so I guess I am talking to you. How the hell would you know? How do you know that it's a bad case? Uh, the argument was, um, well, uh, you know, the, the last district attorney decided not, not to go with this case. Eh, that's not necessarily true. The last guy, the last guy was Cyrus Vance. And he literally said that they, meaning the Trump Department of Justice, asked us to stand down. He also wanted to quibble with uh, a point that I made uh, about Marjorie Taylor Greene's little, you know, couple minutes on the on the megaphone there about crime and the city and blah 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 blah. Talking about uh, Alvin Bragg being soft on crime, you know, a, a kind of a whataboutism sort of thing. Like, 
like you can't walk and chew gum at the same time. Like as a district attorney, you can't be tough on white collar crime that just so happens to be something that the former president of the United States appears to be guilty of while also addressing other crimes. When the right says that term, soft on crime, they're soft on crime. Here's what Alvin Bragg is soft on. He's soft on prosecuting low-level offenses like uh, not paying fines, uh, resisting arrest, prostitution, uh, weed possession, other misdemeanors, things like that. He also sought lesser charges for petty burglaries, store robberies, where the offender, quote, displays a dangerous instrument but does not create a genuine risk of physical harm. Something seems to be working because for the month of February 2023, this calendar year, overall index crime compared to February 2022 declined by 5.6%. The 22% that Marjorie Taylor Greene has been asserting She asserts that New York City had seen a 22% increase in crime. And she's not wrong. She saw that from 2021 and 2022. Alvin Bragg ran for office in 2021 and wasn't sworn in until January of 2022. Now, if you're a brand new manager of a business that has been poorly managed before, or say you get to coach a football team, team's been pretty bad. They've had a really crappy playbook and it takes you a little while to implement the new playbook. You're not going to win right away, right? Most, most folks don't turn a business around like that or a sports franchise or anything like that. But you can see the results in Alvin Bragg's tenure. Crime, while it was up in his first year as he's, you know, literally getting sworn into office in January, And just starting to take the helm, crime started dipping. It dipped in December. It dipped in January. It's down in February. And by the way, shootings have been consistently dropping. You can look at the crime data all you want, up, down, whatever. But from 2021 to now, shootings, murders continue to decline. But honestly, that's neither here nor there. It's kind of, again, a a whataboutist argument. Why, Why can't Alvin Bragg also handle this grand jury inquiry into financial fraud, campaign finance fraud, while also letting his policies take effect on other criminal enterprises. More bad news for Teflon Don, by the way. The Hill is reporting that former Vice President Mike Pence will not appeal a ruling requiring him to testify in front of a grand jury about the events surrounding the January 6, 2021 riots at the U.S. Capitol. A federal judge last week ruled that the former vice president had to provide testimony about Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election results, though the judge said Pence would not be compelled to testify about his role in Congress. The former vice president's uh, aide, Devin O'Malley, released a statement saying the court's landmark and historic ruling affirmed for the first time in history that the speech and debate clause extends to the vice president of the United States. Having vindicated that principle of the Constitution, Vice President Pence will not appeal the judge's ruling and will comply with the subpoena as required by law. That ain't good for Donald. Also yesterday, special elections uh, throughout the country. Uh, There's a new mayor in Chicago. I believe the uh, progressive candidate won that race in Wisconsin. 
folks are celebrating that for the first time in 15 years, liberals now have control of the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Oh, and by the way, by the way, uh, her name is Jane Protashwitz. Boy, did I say that right? I hope so. And I don't know what it is about Republicans anymore, uh, the, the Trump wing in particular, about them and conceding. But her opponent, Dan Kelly, who lost by 10 percentage points, couldn't come to terms with a polite concession speech. Have a listen at this. I wish that in a circumstance like this, I would be able to concede to a worthy opponent. But I do not have a worthy opponent to which I can concede. (laughs) This was the most deeply deceitful, dishonorable, despicable campaign I have ever seen run for the courts. And I wish Wisconsin the best of luck because I think it's going to need it. That's the voice of a Trump ally with ties to a fake elector scheme. But he wants to talk about his opponent not being a worthy opponent to concede to? Oh, heavens, sir. Back-to-back losses? Eh. Maybe you just need to work on your sour grapes scenario, my friend. Someone who loses as much as you, and your cult hero Donald does, should really work on understanding how elections work. When you lose, you concede. It's that simple. Nasty? That concession speech tells us right there, you can't put the word honorable in front of your name and call you a supreme court justice. Ugh. Incidentally, and I think more importantly, there was a ballot measure. I'm trying to find it. It's so hard to find. There were so many like uh, township and county and city elections. There was a referendum about creating a nonpartisan means for redrawing uh, state uh, electoral maps. And it was overwhelmingly supported by the state's voters. Bravo, Wisconsin, looking to get rid of gerrymandering within its state lines. However, will Republicans maintain control and governance if they don't have gerrymandering? Oh, I forgot, voter suppression. That's another way they could do it. But if they don't have the majority, then they can't suppress the vote. And next thing you know, people get to vote. And people feel like their voice is heard, that elections matter. Oh, Republicans better get control of that while they still have a, a slim majority of the House and a super majority of the Senate. Where, by the way, they did win a Senate seat that was up for special election. It was in a right-leaning district, so it's not really surprised that they maintain that district. But the winner ran on a campaign of, get this, impeaching the now newly elected Supreme Court Justice this crowd can't accept a loss. What is their issue? I literally think Democrats have to start calling them on that crap. Why do you hate democracy? No, it's a legit question. Why do you hate democracy? When they seek to suppress uh, voter participation, why do you hate democracy? When they come out with a radically gerrymandered district, why do you hate democracy? When a jackass runs saying he's going to impeach somebody without any basis, why do you hate democracy? Keep asking that question. It's a simple question. And let the, the you know the nerdy ones go, well, you know, we really live in a representative republic. 
why do you hate democracy? It's a pretty simple question, and they don't have an answer for it that makes any sense with the general public. Why do you hate the will of the people? Ooh, that even sounds better. Why do you hate democracy? Why do you hate the will of the people? Hey, don't just listen to The Ron Show. Support The Ron Show. If you and your business would like to have your advertising done on this show, you know, it's pretty easy. You can drop me an email, ron at ronshowetl.com. You can also call me anytime you like, 404-919-2725. You can also just be a listener if you don't have a business. I mean, that would be most of you, right? Follow us on your preferred podcast platform by following any of the links we've got provided for you there on the podcast tab at ronshowatl.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, links there for you as well. All right, last segment for the day. I'm looking at tomorrow's schedule, and I still don't know how I'm going to crank out a show tomorrow. We'll both be surprised when it happens. (laughs) You may just hear a lot more uh, stuff that... Uh, how does this work? Uh, that, that may not be as relevant news-wise by the time it makes it to air. Uh, but, you know, we can always hope for a slow news day. Is that what we want to do? Do we want to hope for a slow news day? Uh, let's talk about this. We've got a Gwinnett deputy who was arrested and charged with DUI while on duty. Uh, the AJC reporting that Master Deputy Walter Arthur Pollock, who's been with the department since 2019, arrested by Georgia State Patrol, and is now charged with DUI, failure to maintain lane, and striking a fixed object. Oh, what did he hit? Please tell me it was like a mailbox. Uh, booked into the Walton County Jail, bond of eight. $1,831, according to online records. Officials say that I uh, um, was served with an intent to terminate and placed on administrative leave as the GSP further investigates the incident. The sheriff's office says, we want our community to know that we hold our employees to the highest standards of professionalism. Pending the criminal investigation, our Office of Professional Standards will conduct a full review as we are committed to ensuring that the outcome of the incident is in the public's best interest i just want to know what he hit and the story doesn't tell us ah i want to know what he hit anyway glad nobody was injured Uh, also glad to see that this wasn't one of those you know band of brothers sort of scenarios where he kind of got off Uh, i saw as well that stacy abrams is going to become a professor at howard university Will this impact any decision she makes about running for the governor's seat in 2026? Uh, According to the AJC, she um, will serve as Howard University's inaugural Ronald W. Walters Endowed Chair for Race and Black Politics. (laughs) Well, you know who's not going to like that. That sounds a lot like CRT. Uh, The Endowed Chair, named for a longtime Howard professor, who was also behind one of the nation's first lunch counter protests in 1958, later served as an advisor for Reverend Jesse Jackson when he ran for president. Uh, The article goes on to talk about the speculation about what would be her next steps after she lost uh, in her uh, second go at uh, Governor Brian Kemp. says here she will remain a resident of Georgia and commute to Washington to conduct research, hold talks, perform other functions for the university, And while there's no discussion in this article about her potential to run for office again in 2026, 
The fact that she's going to remain a Georgia resident to me is a tiny little clue. And and we saw, was it a week or so ago, that she actually has given some consideration and is kind of leaning towards running again in 2026. I've gone on the record on this show a time or two that uh, I like Stacey Abrams. I think she's been impactful when it comes to uh, organization, voter registration, uh, you know, fighting voter suppression here in the state of Georgia. She has been uh, an immeasurable uh, advocate for voter rights and one hell of a force when it comes to, uh, you know, getting folks organized and registered to vote and showing up. Unfortunately, she didn't benefit from it as well as the uh, John Ossoffs and the Reverend Raphael Warnocks did. I, I, I'm also reticent to get excited about a third go at her campaign. <clears throat> the problem I have is that her campaign took a step back from her first foray. She was closer to beating Brian Kemp than she was this most recent time. And you start to wonder if fatigue starts to set in on, you know, the brand. And and I, I did this on the show a lot last fall. I had a lot of nitpicky, quibbly kind of concerns with the way the campaign was run. I felt like it was very city-centric, not a lot of outreach in uh, the exurbs and in uh, rural counties. And, you know, when you're running in a popular vote election within a state, you got to hit, I mean, every vote matters. If you can only pick up six votes in Rabin County, go pick up those six votes. It's worth the drive. You can stop all in the way elsewhere. Pick up some other votes in some White County. You can stop, you know, stop in Haversham, have some lunch, glad hand, meet people, eliminate the stereotypes, the caricaturization that your opposition has created about you. Start whittling away at that in places that you don't think you can win, but has voters you can win over. I took a lot of issue with the fact that there was a lot of safe harbor campaigning last fall for votes that were going to be there all the time anyway. And, and I get it. You you know, you have to do maintenance. You have to continue to work to make sure that those voters that were there for you before and say they're going to be, are, are going to turn out. But also it's just human nature. I kind of have a, a, I have this sixth sense. I, I know how people are wired. I, I can sense, uh, I can sense the room. I, I just can't, I, I can't explain it. Uh, maybe it's just from, uh, working in radio broadcasting for so long and, and and pouring over data and analysis and knowing how uh, behavioral trends ebb and flow. When you've lost one election, you that that's that's kind of what you've known you're known for. You're known for losing that election. Uh, when you lose two elections, well, it sort of confirms what the first election said about you. And, and it, it's not fair. I'm not saying that she's not bright. She's usually the sharpest mind in any room she walks into. She knows the policies. Her positions are obviously ones that I stand firm with. I just happen to think what we have is not a policy problem, not a politician problem. I think there is a candidate issue. I just do. And I've never met the woman. I'm sure she would probably be super nice to me. I know this. I know she's not a hugger. I'm a, Well, I'm a hugger, so I'm kind of big on that. But... 
I almost said she might even like come up to me and put a hug on him. And then I realized she's not a hugger. She doesn't like to be hugged. And even that can be kind of one of those. I mean, I get it. Not everybody likes to be hugged. That's fine. It doesn't, it's not the death knell. There's a pivot that needs to be made and I can't put my finger on it. If Stacey Abrams is going to run again and expects to win, there has to be a pivot of some sort. And I can't quite put my finger on it, but that's just where I am on that. Anyway, that's going to do it for today. Back tomorrow. Think 5 to 6 p.m. on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, and on all your major podcast platforms. We'll see you there.